Look at it. Is this what you think when you hear the word treasure? Unique, antique items, gold bars and coins and crowns, jewels, priceless. We've all heard the stories of men and women, treasure hunters, searching the depths of the sea, hoping to pull up treasure. Sifting the sands, hoping to pull up, to uncover treasure. But I believe far before any crown, coin, or currency, there was a unique treasure, the first treasure that God created in his own image, mankind. You and me. But over the ages, over time, we have twisted treasure. And now treasure is something to be collected. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter have buried inside our minds that now people are just things to be collected behind a like, a view, a post, a share. So my question for myself and for you is what do you treasure? What do we treasure? What do we hold most dear? What do we worry about, pray about? What do you treasure? Through the whole month of March, we've been in a series, in a dialogue, in a discussion about 500 reasons. 500 reasons to invite. 500 reasons to share, sit down and have coffee, send a text to invite someone to Easter 2018. And the sentence on pastor's heart and what we believe is on God's heart is we cannot allow moments of invitation to become memories of silence. When I first read this sentence, it didn't really hit me because I believed that moments and memories were similar. Kind of the same. And as I began to pray and think about it, God revealed to me that they are quite different. Moments are something that we live. Memories are what we relive. And you and I have moments. And we have memories that we relive that we wish we would have stayed in that moment just a little longer. Held a little tighter. Talked a little more. And just reveled in that moment. There also, we have memories that we wish we would have left a little earlier. Said a little less. But we cannot, church, leave moments of invitation and fall silent. The people that we have influence around that need a hand, need a touch, need compassion. We cannot let those moments be memories of when we fell silent. May it never be. May it never be. Pastor, the last two weekends had some amazing messages. The first was, do we see the need? There are needs all around our homes, our campuses, our communities. Do we see the need and do we act and engage those needs? Last weekend, Pastor talked about the Good Samaritan. Many of us heard that story. Many of us haven't. But I've never heard that the church should be the end at the end of the story. That we should be the place where the broken can come and feel comfortable. The broken can come and we pay their way. If you didn't hear those messages, go back online. Amazing messages. 
great content to give us more courage to extend invitation. Let's pray right now that God opens our heart and shows us a little bit of heaven this morning. God, we love you. Pray we don't hear from this microphone, we don't hear from a speaker, but we hear from heaven. Jesus, you treasure us. Let us find the true treasure within us. Thank you for treasuring us. We pray this in your powerful name. Amen and amen. Church, you excited to be here this weekend? It's about to happen. My name is Mike, and I'm a part of our teaching team. I also work alongside our creative staff, and I thank Pastor for giving me this opportunity. I believe every one of us, at the end of our days, when the pages of our book have been written, when our lives have been lived, we want something to show for it. Something at the end of all the work here on earth. We want something to show for it. It may look different for different people, but it all kind of looks like this. A big old chest of treasure. It could be marrying that high school sweetheart, having a big family, traveling the world, starting a business, writing that book. But at the end of it all, we want to have something to show for it. Treasure. Jesus talks about treasure a little bit in Matthew. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. Get ready. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. More powerful than anything I could say is the sharper than two-edged sword is the scripture. Can bring us to our knees. That where your heart is also. So my question is, what do we do with treasure when we find it? How do we treat it? I believe we bring it in close and we bury it deep. Because treasure is valuable. Am I right? We bring it in close for safety and bury it deep for protection. Because we believe treasure is valuable. What I'm getting at is what do you believe is valuable? What do you bring in close and what do you bury deep? Because people... That is your treasure. What is in your mind right now, this is how our brain works. When you hear a word, your brain goes to work. When I say the word treasure, there are things that pop up in your mind. What you hold valuable, what you bring in close and bury deep, that is your treasure. And if you're a Christ follower at any of our locations, we must treasure what God treasures. We must treasure what God treasures. Michael, what does God treasure? I'm so glad you asked. Let's discuss it. He says in John, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Some 2,000 years ago on a Roman cross, Jesus was lifted up from the earth as a sacrifice for you and for me. Rose again three days later on Easter. We're going to celebrate that. In two weeks, proving once and for all that he is the king over our sin, our shame, death, and the grave. And King Jesus treated us like treasure because God treasures people. God treasures people. It says in John, beloved, that's you and that's me. 
If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God treasures people, then we must treasure people like God treasured us all those years ago. We must treasure people because God treasures people. So what do we do after we bring treasure in close? We bury it deep. I'd love to tell you a story. One of my favorite books in the Bible is Mark. The Bible is split into two halves, the Old and the New Testament. The first four books of the New Testament called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John Mark wrote the book of Mark based on his companion Peter's account and what happened to Peter. Kind of through the eyes of Peter. Happened to Peter and John Mark kind of wrote it down. What I love about Peter is Peter is impetuous. I'm impetuous. Peter was impatient. I'm impatient. Jesus, Peter put his foot in his mouth. I love the taste of feet. I must love the taste of feet for the things I say in my life. And if Jesus can use Peter, Jesus can use me. And if Jesus can use me, Jesus can use you. Come on, church. Jesus can use you. God uses the imperfect to show his perfection. So there's a group of five friends. We're going to be in Mark 2 if you want to go there, if you have your Bibles or flip there in your phone. If you're not, we'll have it on the screen. No worries. Mark 2, there's a group of five friends. Like any group of friends, they all have different characteristics. There's a smart friend. We all have them. Why are they so smart? No one knows. (laughs) Why do they read so much? No one knows. I am under the philosophy that anything worth reading, they'll make a movie about. I have a friend named Ben. He's a doctor of electricity or of some sort. I'm not sure. And on his, we went to dinner the other night at his house, and on his table he had a book open, which he was reading, about anatomy. I said, what is that? He said, it's a book about anatomy. It's very interesting. I said, okay. Um, we continued, and he said, I'm also reading about black holes. That's very interesting. I said, you keep saying that word. Do you know what that word means? Interesting? He just loves to learn and knowledge. We have those people that just know everything. In their spare time, they read Wikipedia articles. They're weirdos, what we're saying. (laughs) The smart friend. We have the funny friend. I relate to this guy. I enjoy laughing. I like making people laugh. I like laughing with and at people. I do. I enjoy it. Have you ever seen someone fall down? Come on. Check for a second, see if they're okay, and then continue laughing. You ever heard a baby laugh? You don't hear a baby laugh and you don't smile. Get out. God is not within you. You have no hope. I love laughing. It's just different laughs. My brother has an explosive laugh. You know those guys that just, then they go silent. Yeah, the gigglers, never get tired. No matter how funny it is. Laughing is great. Life's too short. Laugh. You had the funny friend. You had the athletic or the active friend. We all hate these people. They're just better than you. They're faster. They jump higher. They're stronger. We all know these guys and gals. They have just muscles in their earlobes. They've never seen the ball before. They can throw it further and throw it in the right spot. How does it happen? Don't know. They have abs. What is that like? I think if I woke up with abs, I feel like I would have something wrong with me. I'm like, what? Oh, Okay. Sure. The athletic friend. Then we have the friend that nobody really likes. How does this happen? How do all of us have a group of friends and there's one that no one likes? 
How does it happen? They're just kind of grandfathered in. We're hanging out. They're not in the group text. They show up like some kind of wizard party ruining power. Their name's probably Drew. If you're not laughing, you're Drew. <laughs> then we have the paralytic friend. The paralytic is paralyzed from the neck down and cannot move anywhere unless he's assisted. The group of friends are hanging out like they tend to do. The funny friend bursts in the door like he's tend to do and says, he's here. He's here. He's right down the road two miles away. I heard him. I know the house. I know exactly how to get there. We can walk. Let's do it. Drew said, who are you talking about? He said, Jesus. Walked on water, fed the 5,000, turned water into wine. We've talked about him. We've heard about him. Let's go see him. And everybody starts that like Bob. Like everybody's excited, like right before you go see Black Panther or you, see, you go to dinner and you want to see that and you want to eat that steak. He's just, everybody's excited. And then the smart friend sees the paralytic and his head is down. And he says, you of all people should want to meet this guy. What's wrong? The paralytic said, two miles? It could be 200 miles. I can't make it. Hope was lost in that moment for all of the friends, and every one of their heads sunk down low. What are we to do? You ever lost hope in a moment in your life? A business deal, a relationship, one sentence. The next day it was supposed to be the best day of your life, and it turns out to be the worst. A loss of hope. Then in a moment, the active friend stands up with a smile on his face and says, let's carry him. Let's carry him. And the bop starts coming back. Everybody starts getting excited. Yes, let's do it. With tears in his eyes, the paralytic lays there as their friend built a pallet, put him on him, and pick him up. And with just their faith and their feet, they set off on an adventure that would change their friend's life forever. Can you see that, church? Can you see that? The focus and faith in those friends' eyes, the love in their hearts, their arms firm, holding a piece of their friend, and they're walking to something. They're walking to the king. Can you see it? I can see it clear as day when I read the scripture. We begin in verse number one. When he, talking about Jesus, had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home. Many were gathered together. So there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Church, campuses, this is what Easter 2018 should look like. Not even room at the door. Do you know how much room there is at the door? Our room is packed to the roof. Not a spot. Hey, Michael, what's Easter about? Does it matter? Are the lights going to be in my eyes? How loud is the music going to play? What's pastor really preaching about? If you believe Jesus is going to be here Easter 2018, then what does it matter what it will be about? Those four friends didn't care what Jesus was speaking about. Those four friends wanted to take their friend, their treasure, and bury them at the feet of Jesus. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to take their friend, whom they loved, lived with, dealt with his paralyzation, seen him walk, seen the, the pain in his eyes, see the brokenness. And they wanted to bury that brokenness and bury that frustration and bury that pain at the feet of Jesus. Continues in verse 3. 
And they came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four friends. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof. They removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. Oh, it's full. I guess we'll go home. Those boys dug a hole in the roof. Many theologians believe this is Peter's house. They wrecked Peter's house. <laughs> dug a hole in it with their bare hands. Let's talk gravity for a second, church. I don't know a ton. I don't know, a, I don't know, a ton. I don't know about black holes and whatnot. But I do know that it's easier to let someone down than to pull them up. It's much easier, folks, to lower someone down than to raise them up. But too often, church, we make it our business to do the raising. Because we know what's best. We know what Jesus really meant. We know what President Trump should be doing. We know what should be going on. We know what people should look like, talk like, act like. Let's leave the raising to the one that raised from the grave, church. Can we do that? Let's leave the raisin to the one that raised from the grave. He told Mary and Martha at the tomb of Lazarus, I am the resurrection. Jesus is life. It is who he is. It is what is inside him. It's what he's made of. Church, it is not our responsibility to raise people. It is our responsibility to bury them at his feet. That is all we are meant to do. Let's let Jesus do what Jesus do, and let's get busy digging. Let's get busy serving. Let's get busy sweating. Let's get busy kneeling and burying people at his feet. If I asked you, at every campus, right outside, about 15 feet deep in the earth, there was a chest of treasure, priceless. That if you find it, you'd never have to work again. Your kids would never have to worry about money. How many of you would wait to go home and get your digging clothes on? How many would go get gloves? How many would worry about what they looked like when they were digging? Church, why do we care what we look like when we're burying people at the feet of Jesus? Why do we care? You'd be using your iPhone to dig that hole, wouldn't you? You'd be using your iPhone, the most precious thing in your world. You ever lost your phone? Oh, God. Oh, 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 oh. It's my back pocket. <sighs> I've been looking for my phone in my car on the phone. I think a lot of us are more worried about losing our phones than losing our friends. Church, we'd be using that phone to dig in the earth to get to that treasure. We have to dig holes for our broken friends and our broken family. We got to dig the hole. Ain't nobody else going to dig it. Ain't nobody else going to dig it. This is interesting about the story. Verse 5. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. He never mentions the paralytic's faith. Seeing their faith. Because of the faith of those around us matters. There are people in your life waiting on your faith. They're waiting on your faith. They're waiting for you to act. I believe those four friends, they let go of the rope. When that pallet hit the earth at Jesus' feet, they said, we're letting go of the rope, Jesus. It's on you because he's going to be walking out of that house. We're not pulling him back up. We're not going to be pulling our friends back up. If you get him to Easter 2018, God will meet him there. 
keep digging, church. Your faith matters. Mother, father, brother, sister, coach, teacher, coworker, student. Keep digging, whoever you're digging for. Micah, I can't do it anymore. My hands hurt. Yes, you can. Micah, I can't kick rejection one more time. Yes, you can. The Holy Spirit will give you the courage. He'll give you the strength. He'll harden your hands for digging. I want God to have to pull me from a hole when he comes back. I don't want to be sitting in church waiting for Jesus to come back. I want to be digging holes so people can come that are broken. I want, to, I want them to come because a hole that I dug... They can't get here without you, church. And guess what? It ain't going to be convenient. That roof that they dug a hole in was to keep the sun out. I bet it was hot. Their hands probably got burned. If you bury your friends at the feet of Jesus, you're going to get burned. You're going to get rejected. It's not convenient. You know, I bet those four friends could have beat the crowd to the house if they weren't carrying their friend. They could have got a front row seat to hear a great message from Jesus. But their friend would have missed it. You can come to Easter by yourself, and I guarantee you, pastor's going to be hot. Pastor's going to be spitting that fire about the gospel. It's a clear presentation. I'm a part of the message. I know what's happening. But if you come alone, your friends won't hear it. Your friends aren't going to hear it, church. This may sound weird. I may, not say, I may not say this right. Easter ain't for you. Easter's for them. He died for them. You already got it. Now go out and get them, church. Go out and get them. On that incredible day of forgiveness, all those years ago, it's true that the door to the house where Jesus was speaking was blocked. But what is also true, there is nothing that blocks you from the heart of God. We must believe that people are treasure and that they are valuable. And if we do bury them at his feet, he will be faithful to forgive and heal. He will be faithful to do what he said he's going to do, which is forgive and heal. But church, it is difficult to carry our friend to the feet of Jesus when our hands are full. If you don't have anybody in mind to invite, let me tell you, I guarantee your hands are too full. I'm not telling you to quit your job, leave your family, wear a loincloth, and run through the woods screaming about Jesus. That's not what I'm asking you to do. But I am asking you to put the treasure of people at the top of your list. And everything needs to take a little step down. Soccer, yeah. A little step down. It's barely a sport. <laughs> if it was golf, maybe. Schedules, events. Your comfort, Netflix, it needs to take a step down. So right now, church, I'm going to ask everybody at every campus that's a Christ follower, do something a little bold. Because we need a little boldness in the church, don't we? We need a little boldness in a dark world. We need a little bit of boldness in our lives. So with every head up and every eye open, if you're a Christ follower and you believe you're holding stuff that you shouldn't be holding that's getting in the way of the treasure of people, I need you to raise your hand. And I'm going to pray right now that God rips a hole in the roof of our heart. Jesus, see your sons and daughters. Their hands are up. We are waiting for you to rip a hole in the roof of our heart. And in that hole... Pour in a burden for the lost, a burden for the broken, a burden for the paralytic, a burden for the widow, the orphan, the divorced, the addict. Pour in our hearts. Fill us with your compassion. Fill us with your courage. 
It's in your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Church, give him a little bit of a shout because we should be different after that. We should be a little bit different after that. Get busy digging and get busy burying people at his feet because he will forgive and he will heal. He will heal people. Some of you in here, we keep talking about Jesus and you're not digging it. You don't know. It's not your thing. You don't know about it. Maybe you walked in and believed you were a Christian. You probably would have knocked that down on a survey. I'm a Christian. Just apparently you're born in Tennessee, you're a Christian. That may be true. I'm not sure yet. But we're just, we're in the South, we're just born. We're culture Christians. It's what it is. That's just, I'm a Christian. But nothing in your life lines up. People aren't treasured to you. God is not treasured. You just don't get it. That's okay. We're going to fix that right now. Because I can tell you with a hundred percent certainty that he desires and treasures a relationship with you. And wants to extend a hand. There's some people in the room and the campuses around that feel like the paralytic. They have arms and legs, but they're lifeless. They're broken. What you left and what you walked in here with, you believe it's too big, too dark, too rough, and too broken for God. Let me tell you, it's not. To start this, let's get on the same playing field. It says in Romans, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you were born in church or this is the first time and you thought this was a hospital, we're all on the same page. All of us. People do a good job of grading sins and putting them into little categories of what is worse. We all fall short, church. We all fall short. So let's get that truth. The second thing, because of falling short, the wages of falling short of that sin, of our baggage, is death. And if that was the end, boy, would that be bleak. But here comes the good part. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our free gift. Free gift for you and for me. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, or no matter what you didn't say, whatever you're carrying in your hands, let it go. No matter what you've treasured to this point, let it go. And let King Jesus hold you like the treasure that you are. He is made perfect in our imperfection. So if you believe that you've fallen short, and you believe because of fallen short, our wage, our payment is death, you must believe just one thing. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the only way. He is the best way. He is the fullest way. He is the most hope-filled way. Church, if you're in this room, and you can hear the sound of this voice, he is enough for your actions. He is enough for your brokenness. He is enough. If you believe that he is the only way, your life will be forever changed. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to walk through what we call the sinner's prayer. These are just words put on a page, but if said with belief and faith, they will change your forever. Say, God, my life is broken. Let's say it together. I recognize it's because of my sin. I need you. I believe Jesus came to live. 
die and was raised from the grave to rescue me from my sin. Forgive me. Turn from my selfish ways. I trust you. I will follow you. Amen. Let's celebrate the people that said that for the very first time. I know there are people in here. We love you. We're so excited for you. If you could do one thing for us, just tell us about it. If you write it on the communication card in the seat back pocket in front of you, drop in the bucket as it's about to pass by you, we would love to walk this journey alongside you. If you can't wait for somebody to call you, come down front. We'll pray with you. I'll jump in the water right now with you. Let's get it done. Jesus is about engaging and response. I think we get a little twisted about what it was like to follow Jesus. He told the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. He told the rich young ruler, go sell all of your things and come follow me. He told Peter and Andrew, go leave your ways and come follow me. Jesus isn't speaking so that we'll listen. Jesus is engaging you and engaging me so that we will respond. We're good at listening. Pastor can preach. He's good. He's a great preacher. You can listen to any podcast on the planet right now, the click of a button. How are we at responding? Are you, should you respond to the call of salvation today? If that is, have courage. We are here for you. If it's baptism, get in that water. If it's serving, if it's finding a group, respond to the call of God. And in that response, your life will be made anew. Theme of this year, New Rivers, New Roads. It's time to get in and get on, church. Let's get on what God is doing in the life of this church. I'm so happy for the people that prayed that prayer. I am so excited. Not near as excited as Jesus is, but I'm excited. We're going to transition now in the time where we give back. And if this is your first time, you don't know what's going on, you're walking around, you're hanging out a little bit, take a beat. Take a minute. Pop on Instagram for a second. But if you call this your church, give generously. Because God gave generously to us. The scripture says, he is a good father. And a good father knows how to give good gifts to his children. If he gives us good gifts, it is for us to give back. It's the only thing that in the Bible that God says, test me in this. Test me in this and find out what I'll do for you. If I'm being honest, church, generosity is difficult for me. Just being candid. This is not a part of the script. It's just, I have a hard time with it. I'm a saver. I don't like spending money. I like saving it. So my wife is in charge of the finances, including tithing. And we have to give over 10%, not because it makes me a better Christian or I can skip the line in heaven, because it makes my master Jesus and not money. Because the verse, give him praise, Jesus. You can pray a little bit about that. I know money's weird. I know it's weird. I know our stuff. You know, the verse doesn't say where your stuff is, your heart is also. Have stuff. Have money. Give it to church. Have a business. Bless your family. Have money. God wants you to have money. But when your stuff becomes treasure, that's when we get it twisted. That's when we get it twisted. Have all the money in the world. If it's above people, you got it wrong. I believe that's why Jesus said to the rich young ruler, give all you have away. Not because you have stuff, but because your stuff is more important than me. Your stuff is more important than people. We've got it twisted. So we give generously in this moment so we can show our flesh 
that you don't have it. You're not in control. God's in control of our finances. God's in control of our events, our schedules, our work, our college, our business, our conversations. We give generously because he gave generously to us. Let's pray and ask God to give us that heart. Jesus, King Jesus, you are our provider, our defender. You are everything that we will ever need. Give us a heart of generosity. Allow us the ability and the courage to give generously. I know that you know we have credit cards, we got debt, we got school to pay for, we got a car to pay off, we got a house, we got a, a leaky water heater. But God, we give generously because you gave generously to us. And you will take care of us. We must trust in that. Give us the heart. We love you. Amen. Church, we're going to give generously now because God gave generously to us.